Hi, and welcome to the Leading Beyond Ego podcast, where we explore how leaders can move beyond their egos to lead more consciously. My name is Tor Olofsson, and I am your host. And it is my pleasure, privilege, and honor to introduce today's guest, Mr. Ian Smith. Ian is the former CEO of BMW Financial Services in the USA, and he has held several other CEO positions in corporations in Brazil, the UK, and Canada, just to give some examples. Ian's leadership style is one of high trust and humility. And in our conversation, one of the stories that comes up is when he wrote in a social media post that leadership is not just about leading, it's also about knowing how to follow and when to put your ego in your pocket. That I found intriguing. And his definition of what that means, it's what's coming up in our show. So stay tuned. So Ian, Welcome to the Leading Beyond Ego podcast. I'm thrilled to have you as our guest. So, uh, yeah, good to see you. Uh, Tor, it's a real pleasure. And thank you for having me uh, have this conversation with you today. Uh, I've, I've been in preparation for our uh, call. I've been looking at your career and, and asking myself, what would I like to learn from him? And looking at the different stations being the uh, CEO of BMW Financial Services in different markets, including both North and South America, as well as in Europe. Um, I'd like to kick us off with a question that goes something like, what would you feel has been the biggest learning on that path, including maybe some challenges or rewards along that path? You know, a lot of people perhaps think about their achievements, their successes, the size of organizations, the size of portfolios, the profitability and those types of things. But actually, the most rewarding thing has seen the transformation in people and the transformation in teams. If you surround yourself with people who are like-minded, who understand the journey ahead and can see what it means for them, I don't need to set 10 or 20 different metrics to, to measure their performance. Um, mm. They will often perform far higher and, and achieve far more things than one could 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 write down if you simply let them go and you free them and you you enable the teams to come together and you create a glue that brings teams together. Um, that's probably been the most rewarding, but also the most uh, effective way uh, of seeing results and performance uh, in in organisations. Mm. So it's been a that's been a real blessing for me to see and be be able to be part of that and to shape that. And to enable that, uh, I remember when I would, took my first CEO role. It's actually in Brazil, and um, I remember I was only there probably three or four months. And one of the colleagues came in and said, "Ian, uh, when you joined our organization, we we were BMW uh, uh, Financial Services, BMW Financeiros, um, uh, a, a BMW in that market. It, now we're part. Of, we are BMW Financeiros, a part of BMW Group." And it was a very subtle statement, but all of a sudden it communicated to me that people understood the part of being belonging to something bigger, something mm. greater, um, and that they could leverage the power of that position and that, that mindset in what they did. 
And that was very transformative because then people recognized that their role did matter. They did matter. And what they contributed was important to this bigger picture, not just this very small market in this part of the world that um, was not a major market uh, by any means uh, for the automotive manufacturers of, of the premium automotive manufacturers at that time, at least anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, things like that have just been incredibly rewarding. And, and yeah. I can go through my time in Canada and time in the UK, uh, time in the United States. Um, but each one of them has been, has, has been something else to add on to, to my experience. Uh, and when you yeah. can share that and you can leverage that and you can tell people stories about how people started and how, where they ended up. And even though we're going to exactly. go through a lot of adversity, we're going to go through a lot of challenges. Some people might not even like the direction, but it's your choice to be part of this. And, um, you know, it's, it's the we, not the me. And if we can think about how can we be successful together and how can we drive this business forward and how can we be sustainable for the future? And that's going to sometimes make some, create some very difficult decisions. Uh, yeah. but, but be part of it, be part of the journey and, and we, we can enjoy it and, uh, you can be part of that success. Ian, listening to you say this, it sounds great. And uh, so did your social media posting. I think it was sometime last fall when you left your post as CEO of BMW's financial services in the USA and and uh, and the Americas, right? Mm-hmm. And you wrote in your social media posting about leadership and about how Leaders need to know when to lead, when to be followers. And then what caught my eye was you wrote, they need to know when to put their egos in their pockets. And uh, this this sentence led us to be having this conversation today because I was intrigued. And I'd really like to hear from you. I, I wasn't sure if you'd written it yourself. And when you, you know, <laughs> confirmed that you did, I was all the more intrigued. And, uh, and I thought, okay, I need to know how he interprets that. What does that mean to you, Ian, to put your ego in your pocket? I, I think there's been a lot of opportunity in my career for me to uh, have responsibility, to be the kind of, when you're the CEO, that you're the front person of the organization. But there was also times, and especially in the business that I was in, um, my business was a servant to another business, and which yeah. was the sale of, of automobiles. And uh, it was very clear that when I took over my role, especially in the United States, that the relationship there needed to be on a different pathway. And that mm. if we were going to success succeed as an organization, um, it couldn't have two dominant, you know, maybe alpha male types uh, trying to lead and compete and who's more important, who's more, or who's got more authority. So at the very moment I took on that role, I took the very purposeful decision that I'm going to take this this position. I'm going to keep my ego in my pocket. I'm going to keep okay. my focus uh, on building the business and doing the right thing for the business and the right thing for the teams. Uh, because if, if we do that, it takes away that tension, that conflict. And then what I needed most of all was to be able to have a great collaboration with my colleagues in the other mm. part of the business uh, where maybe the collaboration wasn't as strong in the past. Uh, and therefore it was, there was a real, there was a, there was a, a, a real decision behind it, but even just more fundamentally, um, I don't need to tell people, Hey, do you know, I'm a CEO. If, if that's, if that's where you are in your career and that's where you are in your role, if you have to tell people how powerful you are. You don't have yeah. the power. At all. 
Um, yeah. So I was confident. One of my, my my one of my colleagues had a saying said, you know, if anything was ever to happen to me, um, I'm confident in my skills. And that resonates with me. And, and if you're confident in your capabilities and what you can do in your experience and what you can bring, you don't need to be worried whether people perceive you with a position of power or authority or not, because that will naturally uh, be part of how you, you operate and how you act. The fact that when you give power away it makes you more powerful, um, yeah. most people don't understand that. Um, because I have the authority to do that to start with. Uh, but if I can empower somebody to say, you know what, go away, go ahead and do this thing that you think is right, uh, make the decisions necessary to to act upon. Um, I ha- I take ultimately the consequence of it because ultimately you're responsible. But I've got to trust people that they're going to do the right things, and I've got the yeah. right people, and I trust you've got the, the right skills and competencies, the right professionals in the right places. Again, it comes back to this idea of having the teams uh, being able to operate, and if you can do that it can be a very powerful place to be. And as a consequence, we were very, very successful. Uh, mm. And that's not down to me. That's down to the entire team that was able to create that because they saw yeah. a change in the way that I operated, the way that the leadership team operated, and recognized that this is now a different way of approaching uh, our business. Uh, and from that, that standpoint, and I could go in a lot, in a lot more detail, but that was essentially the the – the, the essence of, of how I led and how uh, we as a team uh, pulled, the, pulled the organization together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's, that's by choice, Ian, that, you, that choice developed over time where you realize this is the best way forward. And um, I'd like to take a, a little bit of time with you to say, okay, you've worked in, in more organizations than only BMW, so you've and and in different parts of the world, so you can draw upon a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. When people show up at work with too much ego, uh, be they in management positions or not, what are some of the manifestations of that? What does that look like when ego is too big, too rampant, too dominant? In your view, what, what are some of the the effects of that? I think I think in real pragmatic terms. Um, it's a very authoritative style, right? Mm. You know, do you know who I am? Listen to me when I speak, um, uh, do as I say, uh, type in, in its extreme, uh, perhaps. And I think what that unfortunately does, then that suppresses the individual's ability to contribute. Mm. Uh, because if, if they, if you're in a meeting with an, a, a group of individuals and your ego is driving and overpowering the meeting, um, you're suppressing the engagement of the individuals. Yeah. And uh, from that standpoint, it, if I think I've got all the best ideas, then fine. But the reality is I don't have all the best ideas. And most ideas actually come through dialogue and discussion and debate and in- inquiring and thinking about uh, different ways to solve uh, problems. Um, and and if, your, if your ego is out of check, your ego can very quickly stifle that that input. And unfortunately, mm. that leads then to low levels of innovation. It leads to maybe narrow-minded thinking. It leads to we've always done what we've always done, or we, all, we will always do what we've always done. We'll, that kind of – this has made us successful in the past, therefore we're not prepared to change to adapt to the future. And exactly. now more than anything, especially coming through the, uh, the COVID pandemic, now more than anything, we need to be agile, we need to be adaptive. We need to be much more trusting uh, and, and open with people about our current situation, about where we're going and what we're doing, 
I think also this idea of being very present and being there for people. Um, Because this is a very difficult time that we go through, but it's also a transformative time for business. Because it comes at a time also when digitalization and the way that we actually interact with consumers and and buyers in the marketplace is also changing very, very quickly. Um, So I think, unfortunately, a lot of people don't see that. If you're managing by objectives, you're not leading with purpose. Uh, and oh, I think interesting. I, I, th- I think this is something that is easily to say, um, but you have to really sit down and think about what does that really mean? Because if you're leading with purpose, you're leading with people because they, their heart is in it, their belief is in it, their, their whole being is in it. If you're mm. leading by objectives, that's just managing ticking off lists. And I can be a manager of any organization and go through a checklist and say, okay, today is my, this is my 10 things that I need to do as a manager. But that's not leading an organization. Organizations need, um, they need to be inspired. They need to be uplifted. They need to be encouraged. They need to be given the room to operate. Um, And that's where purpose comes into play and where um, you you make a meaningful impact. So, for example, during COVID, you know, I ran a financial services business. And one could say, okay, financial services, people are suffering. You know, how, how, why is it so important to maintain business and why so when you come to the topics of working from home and doing the right things um this was about if we do our job very very well it enables us to work from home which is very inconvenient for a lot of people a lot of people don't like that some people do uh but by working from home and enabling that and supporting that we keep people out of harm's way and because mm-hmm. you're out of harm's way you're not driving your car on the street and that avoids maybe an accident that then involves other people so you're protecting uh, your local community. So actually by doing a lot of things that we do through COVID and learning to work in that environment actually provided an opportunity for us to really change the way that we lead. And therefore the purpose then becomes is if I do my job well, if I'm working from home and I'm focused and we're able to do it and make sure the business is successful this way, I'm I'm actually supporting my community because I'm able to continue okay. to get economic value. I'm able to stay out of harm's way. I'm not putting people in a position where they have to spend resource and time and risk to come and help me if I'm caught in a situation where I get stuck at the side of the road or I'm in an accident or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, mm-hmm. So, there, there many, I mean, that's just one small example, but there are many societal benefits uh, of just thinking about our role and how we act and how we perform. Yeah. So how would you say or in what way has COVID taught us lessons that we could relate to uh, putting your ego in the pocket uh, versus being too authoritative and uh, too ego-driven? What lessons do you think COVID, the COVID pandemic has taught us there? Yeah, I, th- I think prior to COVID, there was a lot of focus on you have to be in a location, you have to be at your workspace, you have to, you know, you, you, you saw a lot of organizations kind of struggling with this idea of all of a sudden my workforce uh, mm-hmm. is not the place that it normally is. And first of all, dealing with that. Um, but that required then a different thought about how do you lead organizations and teams in an environment where you're not physically interacting every day, where they're, they're maybe in their own home and their role requires them to, for example, maybe be on the telephone a long, a large part of the day or using um, technology a large part of the day, you can't micromanage them. So I think one of the things that I, I personally yeah. learned from, from COVID okay. was is that 
you have to trust people. If you hire the right people, and not always do we do, and there's uh, mechanisms for that, but if you believe that you've got the right people on your team, you hire them because of their skills and their experience. Trust them mm. for their skills and their experience. And don't don't be on them every day. Uh, one, one of the things no. that we've learned significantly through COVID is to, to take a more of a broader view about the individual. You know, some people uh, live in some beautiful homes and beautiful spaces, and that's great. But some people don't. Some people yeah. are in maybe studio apartments where, you know, their bedroom is part of their kitchen, is part of their living space. And, and they're stuck in this little space. And that's where they work. It's where they sleep. It's where they eat. But when you're in an environment like COVID and you're stuck in that environment, to be mindful of that, and when you're speaking to people and to be reflecting on, not everybody is is having an easy time right now. Um, yeah. I, think, I think that's something also that uh, was a big learning uh, for most organizations going through COVID. So really respecting the individual uh, and, and yeah. empowering them to do what they've been paid to do and what been, they've been tasked to do. Uh, and it's amazing, actually, the performance in most cases far exceeded what was expected. You know, a lot of people were expecting a deterioration in the business. In fact, in many businesses through COVID, they did far, far better, especially our business. Our business did very, yeah. very well. Um, and yeah. So it, it was- Ian, Ian, what we've seen is, is that managers initially thought, oh my God, if everyone goes into a home office, how will I manage my team? And what we've seen across the world is just what you said, that people stepped up and they wanted to deliver, they wanted to perform. So one of the questions that comes up is, okay, if they perform this well in a situation where I cannot be looking over their shoulder in the office every day, did I need the micromanaging before COVID? Or you know, could I have been leading this uh, way the whole time? I think what we see now, I mean, COVID is still around, but there's going to be a point in time where we start to normalize uh, more as a community and as a society. But the way of working has already changed, and it's never Mm. going to go back to the way it was. Um, It's probably maybe a halfway house in that, you know, being environments where you're surrounded with teams or being environments where teams are working remotely and independently. Um, mm-hmm. But they're still teams. The fact that you're physically present with technology today uh, enables us to lead in different ways. You used yeah. to reference, you talked about managers, and um, I, I actually don't like the word managers because it implies rules and structures. Um, okay. I, yeah. I don't manage anybody. My role as the CEO was to lead the organization. And to lead the organization, a lot of people don't, they might understand what leadership is but they don't comprehend it. Um, and what I mean by that is I can understand the, the physical attributes or the, the, the practical attributes of what leadership looks like, but do I really understand it? And I think when mm-hmm. we can start talking about ego and purpose and trust, and these are things where leadership really comes into play because you have to put yourself at risk in order to lead effectively. But having the confidence in your skills and your gifts and your abilities and surrounded with individuals who are like-minded, who can also see that opportunity is incredibly fulfilling. So seeing Mm -hmm. teams perform and see them go from performance to more of a hyper performance, um, that's special. 
And when you when when you're working with individuals or teams, you know, you often get this. Uh, you often hear talk about my boss this or you know my manager that or. Yeah. And even when people say to me, you know, how many people work for you? Uh, I don't, people don't work for me. They work for the company. I work yeah. with uh, many people and I work with my colleagues and my other executives. Um, but nobody works for me. They work with me. And th- again, this is a subtle change in terms of vernacular, but it's really important because it sets the tone of what is leadership all about, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's amazing how powerful words can be, how meaningful they can be uh, when people start to realize it's not just what you speak, it's how you then act and how you behave that then supports the messages that you're trying to communicate. Yeah. And in doing so, um, the, the, the spirit and the engagement from people is incredible, in, again, in my experience. So you're, you're suggesting trusting more, empowering more stepping back and not micromanaging um and and you said that you know it it, it could be fascinating what you get out of people as a result of that Uh, can you tell us a bit more what happens with people when they are led in this way because i know for a fact that it's not just your leadership you you helped other people in your organization lead also in in this way um what effect does it have on the followers when they are led in that way? I think what it does for individuals, it gives them self-confidence. Um, you know, education is wonderful and your experience is wonderful. But when, when you're in a situation where all of a sudden you feel that confidence, you feel that trust is given to you, and then you're able to execute on it and you make a decision and there's nobody around checking your decision, that's incredibly empowering. And it, it, it's very uplifting because now my role means something. Now my decision means something. Now my contribution is counted. Um, if, if, if all I'm doing is ticking off what other people are saying, yes, I support, I agree. I, I mean, in organizations, you need structures, you need decision making, you need that to be formalized in many ways. That's fine. But when it comes to daily day operations and what people are challenged to do in their roles, when they're given that freedom, um, it's amazing how much more they commit because they feel that they belong or mm-hmm. they give they give the impression that they belong and they feel valued and they feel respected. And quite frankly, if you just think about oneself, how would one like to be led or how would one like to be included in an organization? Um, I'm highly confident that I... I, I can do a lot of things surrounded by the right people. And if I don't have the right people, I'll find the right people to support me in, in what I'm trying to do and what we're trying yeah. to achieve in business. Um, so I know as, as long as you have a clarity on the strategic direction, which way we're trying to go, what our purpose is in, in our business, um, mm-hmm. then you don't actually need a lot of micromanagement. I mean, yes, you need, you need metrics to see where your operating performances are and where there's room for opportunity and improvement. And effectiveness, um, but that tends to be more around how you do things uh, within a process standpoint, not necessarily about the individuals, mm-hmm. uh, because individuals, when they're given the opportunity to to have that freedom, they're far far more innovative and far more um, uh, engaged in in hey we can make this better, 
I thought I've had this idea, I've got this initiative. I would like to be involved in that team. I would like to spend more time doing these other things. Exactly. I would like to grow and develop personally. How, what recommendations would you have for my personal development? Um, that's the conversation you then start to have. You, 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 you move away the fear, in fact. Now, as a leader, it become, it's a very, you still have the responsibility and you still have the accountability. Mm-hmm. So you also have to be able to trust that in, in oneself that, okay, if something does go wrong, it, 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 I'm the one you need to point the finger at. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and again, that's another part of leadership, which is, you know, I don't need to be told what the targets need to be. Uh, I intuitively understand business and intuitively yeah. understand uh, what makes business work. Um, both from a, whether it be from a numbers perspective or from a, from a, just a general business flow perspective. And therefore, yeah. um, let's align what you want to achieve as an organization and then let, let's go for it. Um, but, but don't be, don't be looking over my shoulder every five minutes and, and kind of assessing, am I on the right track? Uh, if I need help and support, rest assured, I'll reach out. Um, and that's why communication and dialogue and networking becomes very important. So people understand how you're thinking, how you're engaging, what, what you're, how things are developing uh, from a leadership yeah. standpoint. And uh, so if there are any, well, I have a different thought or a different idea, you're able to incorporate that into your activities. Yeah. It's, it, there's no doubt, Ian, that everybody listening here to you would say, yes, I want employees that are engaged, committed, creative, uh, eager to to learn and grow. And we can see from the development in the global workplace that um, this style of leadership is probably going to help organizations hold on to employees uh, better because there's a, a big fluctuation going on. So the, the big question that on the back of, of all of this that begs to be asked is, How does one get there? How does one develop into a servant leader that, that leads in the way you've been describing to us? Not everybody's there, Ian. No. Um, but this goes back to the topic of management and leadership. And mm-hmm. it, this is where I think the first correction that people need to think about is what is my understanding of management and what is my understanding of leadership? And do I want to lead or do I want to manage? Um, and that might, in certain organizations, there may be a, a, a very good reason why um, managing by objectives and those kinds of things is a very powerful and very meaningful thing to be doing. Um, but I think as our society develops, as people develop, um, inclusion and engagement is very, very important. Um, financial okay. reward is one thing. Um, but I'm, if I'm part of an organization, I want to feel like I'm valued and I'm appreciated and I can contribute and I'm given room to contribute. So, so I think yeah. if, I was, if, if I was to provide maybe some kind of guidance to a, a new leader or a new manager, exactly. um, yeah. what I would, the first thing I would say is it's we, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. right. And it's, it's very easy. Think about we, not me. You've been given the opportunity to lead this team, no matter how big or how small it is, no matter what the impact is, but you are now in, in that position of responsibility. Um, and if you're able to put your ego in your pocket, if you're able to um, recognize that other people bring skills and competencies to the table, 
If you engage them on that basis, you'll be significantly more effective as, as a team and certainly mm -hmm. much more effective as a leader. Um, I think the second thing is, is that recognize that too, if you're in a leadership role, you have the opportunity to select people for the team. So choose the expertise in the team and choose expertise that maybe you don't have. Mm -hmm. um, and don't be afraid of the expertise. And, and if something comes up, uh, submit to that person's knowledge and expertise in that particular subject. Um, just because them. you're a leader, trust them, yes. Uh, if you're the leader, it doesn't mean to say that you then have uh, are now all of a sudden endowed with all this knowledge and power uh, and you know everything in the world. Not at all. A great leader will ask for input and guidance of how do we do things? How do you do things? How would you recommend we move from this place to the next? How do we overcome these particular opportunities or challenges? Um, mm. And then therefore, trust in the people, trust in what they bring. Um, that's very important. And I, I made another note here. I, 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 was, I was thinking about this topic yesterday. Um, I need my glasses for this, but uh, we spoke before about um, the, the ability to make decisions. So if, you've, if, it's the, if it's the we, not me, mm -hmm. if you rely on their expertise, yep. then the third thing for me would be giving them the room to operate and giving them the room to make decisions and to execute that piece. The autonomy. The autonomy. Yeah. The autonomy. Uh, and certainly not, I mean, again, it's good to keep a, a track of what's happening and, and to understand what's happening, but don't engage too quickly. If you see things going off track a little bit, certainly be ready and be willing to kind of step in the support. Um, but, but by no means does that mean that you're looking over people's shoulder. It's being there as a resource. And uh, if, 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 if there is trust in the relationship and if you've trusted somebody, let's say, Thor, I, I said, uh, you know, you've got this great idea, run with it, go with it. If you need me, if you run into some roadblocks, if you've got questions, we can spar together. We can we can uh, deal with these topics together. But but if, if you're running into a challenge, don't let don't let it fester. Bring it up right away, and we'll, we'll handle it. Um, but okay. go and do what you need to do. So it's 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 this idea of uh, being there to support. Because I might have other people that I know who, if there's a gap in the process or a gap in the in, in whatever is being trying to achieve, I might know other people I can bring in or support that can maybe overcome that particular challenge or, or avert that particular challenge. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's to, to the individual to kind of raise their hand and say, okay, I, I need some help here. I need some, but again, that requires significant trust because again, being accountable and responsible, um, if it does go wrong, um, it's generally, it's not the individual that made the error that is held accountable. It's normally the leader. And, and that's, yeah. that's advice that we pay for leadership. Yeah. So, so th three pieces of advice uh, that I've heard from you. One is remember that it's all about we, not me. And this is not something you just say, you need to live this. The second thing is hopefully when you have capable team members, they will have expertise that you do not have. So trust their expertise. And the, the third thing is, okay, now that it's all about we and you trust them, uh, 
give them the, the freedom to operate and give them the autonomy that they need to really see what they can do. And I can imagine some people listening would say, well, that sounds like laissez-faire type of style. Uh, and, you know, on the one hand, we have micromanagement. On the other hand, we have this complete laissez-faire. My boss never even asks how my projects are going. Where would you position this approach you just described? It is absolutely not laissez-faire. Um, mm. If you were to ask me about any part of the businesses that I run, I'm, I know I could inform you about micro details of how that business is run. Um, yeah, but exactly. people don't necessarily need to know that. Um, oh. right? I, I can still manage an organization, but lead it in a way that they feel, uh, and it, this is not a false uh, leadership uh, uh, capacity. This is, this is, you're not absolved from your responsibility or accountability in, in, in these environments. If you look at the performance of the organizations that have had the privilege and honor to lead, um, they've always done more and achieved more than we mm -hmm. set out. Target achievement was never something I worried about because I was confident no. that uh, if you do the right things, you've got the right mindset, if you're responsible in your decision-making and how you approach the business, the business will take care of itself. Very much like when you talk about consumers, um, we often think about our business and what are we going to do to make our business more successful and sell more products maybe into the marketplace to, opt, opt, to maximize the potential. Well, actually, if you, if you think about it from a different perspective, if you think about the consumer first, what are their wants, needs and desires? You create an opportunity for them to achieve that and fulfill that. It's great for them. That mm -hmm. fulfills our business. And in, in, a, in a case where we were in a, a, a three-way relationship with the automotive manufacturer, the financial services, and the, and the consumer, um, it's actually also good for our dealers and our partners. Mm -hmm. so, but but yeah. it's a mindset that people struggle with. So it's um, it, it it's not at all about laissez-faire. It's very much about being aware of what's going on, empowering people to drive and drive to those objectives, sharing the successes show the organization how the organization is performing, be transparent with that performance where the opportunities still are, but at the same time recognizing uh, people's contributions for the achievement. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it, it's actually more engaging because if, you, yeah. if I'm going to empower people, then we need to understand what, what that empowerment actually is translating into to and, and what it means uh, for our organization. But I don't need a 500-page report with analysis paralysis where I've got so much information that actually yeah, exactly. I can't do with it. Um, simplicity is actually the most complex thing that we can do because yeah. getting to a simplistic perspective of what we're trying to achieve requires significant structure and understanding of what's happening around. So to yeah, try and drive yeah. to this idea of simplicity is actually a very difficult thing to do. And it sounds very simple what I'm talking about and what we're talking about today, but it's not. It's highly complex. It's highly integrated. And um, if, if, you're, if you have the opportunity to, to benefit from the successes of it, it's highly motivating and highly engaging. Yeah. It's great to have you state this so clearly because I don't want that misunderstanding to be there that this is some type of a laissez-faire style. It's not. And it's even, as you say, more engaging, more motivating for the, the people that are being led this way. And what it seems, Ian, like is that it's, it seems to be very much about trust 
having faith in people's willingness to engage and commit. It seems to be a central theme in your leadership. It is. And I think um, when it comes to trust, there's a, there's a part of that which is all about honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just listening to what people have to say or telling people, expressing their, their thoughts and opinions. It's also being honest with one another. So we think about high-performing teams. So let's talk about, for example, an executive team. Um, if you can get the, t- the team to a point where in the middle of a meeting, somebody will stop the meeting and say, you know, dear colleague, I love and appreciate your contribution, but what you just said there is not appropriate. Um, mm. It's not consistent with how we've agreed as an organization or as a team that we will operate. Yeah. And, and taking those, and, and I even find myself- Brutal honesty. Yeah, and, but, and that's really, really difficult to do. Mm. You know, um, if somebody you love and care about says, you know, how, how do I look today? And maybe they're not looking the great today. You don't want to discourage them and demotivate them. So some, sometimes honesty can be, can be very misleading uh, if it's not authentic. Uh, and therefore, uh, I think it's really important that people are given the room to be their authentic self and that as a team, they can say, you know, I have to stop us right here. I, this is what I'm feeling at the moment. Um, I, I don't know how to express it, but this is what it means for me. And when you can get an organization or, or a, certainly an executive team to that point where you can get to that level of, dare I say, intimacy in their personal relationships, it is incredibly powerful. Because now people will say, I don't agree with you on that particular point. I have a different perspective. Um, and, and from that standpoint, that's when you start to recognize this, this ship has taken off and this, this is awesome. And to working in that team environment that supports that, for me, is also, I get excited just thinking about it because I I, I've experienced it. I know what it feels like. It's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly affirming for you as a leader. Yeah. Um, you can go home and kind of go, you know what? Um, we're, we're doing things and achieving things as a team that you can only dream about. And, and to see that level of performance from individuals and mutual accountability to one another, again, it goes back to this topic of laissez-faire. This is not yeah. laissez-faire. This is no. a, a much more um, personal level of engagement and uh, valuing of people and what they bring and what they contribute. And uh, it, again, it's respect, it's trust, it's honesty, it's integrity, it's value-based principles. Um, I could never work with a team or an organization that was uh, trying to manipulate or be dishonest mm. or, or tell a narrative that isn't true. Um, that's not authentic. It's not real. The organization sees it. You know, we talked a little bit about COVID. They always do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A few months ago, we spoke about the, the impacts of COVID, and I probably engaged more with the organization during COVID in small sub-meetings. I'd just drop into different meetings, mm-hmm. and, and when people ask you a question, it wasn't a canned response. It was always, you can ask, ask me any question uh, that you like, and I'll give you an answer. And if I don't know the, the, the response, I'll still tell you what I think, um, yeah. but I'll, I'll bring to context. But by being honest with people about the situation during COVID and say, you know what, um, this is where we're going. We're going to make some very difficult decisions. And indeed we did. This is why those decisions were made. Um, we will not, we'll see whether that is sustaining mm-hmm. or not. Or there may be questions about, you know, uh, 
are we going to return back to the office? Or do these types of, I mean, this is a very basic question, but, but nonetheless, you know, to say sometimes I don't know is yeah. authentic. And people value that, that authenticity. Um, and I think when you talk about ego, um, I, it's, as a leader, I don't have all the answers to all the questions. I have a perspective on all the questions. But a part of keeping your ego in the pocket is also saying, you know what? Um, we're not sure how this is going to play out. But this is what I think about it. And what do you think about it? And how do you think we can overcome this particular time of topic or challenge? Um, so it's, it's, we're living in fascinating times. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant message, Ian. And it's, it's been a, a, an honor and a privilege to have you on this show with this massive global experience in, in top leadership positions. And I'm just wondering if you have maybe a sentence or two final words for the people listening or, or watching um, that would summarize your key message. Just a sentence or two. I, I think I mentioned it earlier at the beginning. Mm. If, 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 if you're managing by objectives, you're not leading with purpose. Yeah. And, and I, I think if you think about that, if you if you understand it, but then if you then go further and comprehend it, it's very powerful. Yeah. It certainly is. Thank you. It's been uh, a pleasure to have this conversation with you, Ian. I'm certainly hoping it's not our last. And thank you for being guests on our Leading Beyond Ego show. Paul, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much.